Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, March the 6th, and coming up, we're going to have reaction to Gillingham's game at the weekend. Plus, there's a chance we could be getting some snow in Kent. I know it's March, we're all hoping winter is over, but I'll have the details for you coming up shortly. But first, our top story today is about new plans by the government to try and stop people from crossing the Channel to Kent in small boats. We're expecting to hear more from the government in precise detail tomorrow, but their proposals are expected to include a lifetime ban on claiming asylum for anyone arriving in the county after making the dangerous journey. Well, ministers say the illegal journeys organised by people smugglers must end. Chris Heaton-Harris is a cabinet minister. The safe and legal routes way has been proven to work in a whole host of occasions, over 100,000 Hong Kong Chinese uh, everybody knows Ukrainians in their community who have been truly welcomed into the, the, those local communities. And so it's really important that we need to get this right. All this follows a protest in Dover at the weekend. You may have heard there was a strong police presence in the town as far-right campaigners clashed with anti-racist groups. We've been speaking to some of those who were there. Firstly, you hear from Councillor Aaron Rolfe. Now, he arrived in the UK as an asylum seeker 23 years ago. As I mentioned, he was at that rally along with a man called Steve Laws who was once the crossing stopped. And finally, you can hear from Steve Wilkins, who's from the group Stand Up to Racism. It is the most horrible things and very scary things. I was only 17 and I had seven days in a baccalaureate. It is important to, to show solidarity to those people that arrived today to UK uh, and also to give a strong message. Uh, we spread a love and a peace. We're here today to make some noise about the invasion on the coast. So we're here to make some noise and to get our voices heard and hopefully gain some momentum and get more people out on the streets protesting against this. Opposition to refugees ease translates straightforward into increasing racism. So anybody who has a slightly different skin tone or has a different accent can be considered to be a refugee and therefore subject to verbal or even physical abuse. And so we are here to show that we are the majority and we are not prepared to accept that kind of nonsense. Now, refugee charities are saying today that the government's plans will be unworkable and I've been getting reaction from Kay Marsh, who's from the Samfire Project in Dover, which aims to work with communities and those arriving in the UK. Yeah, so obviously information is quite limited at the moment, um, but all I'm really seeing is, is much of the same, you know, promises to send people here, there and everywhere. Um without any real means to do it. Obviously, they've been saying these things, sending people to Rwanda, um, returns to so-called safe third countries. We've been talking about this for a while now. But both of these plans were completely unworkable under the uh, European Convention for Human Rights. So the legislation being announced tomorrow will circumvent the human rights conventions, apparently, um, which just sounds terrifying, to be honest. So we'll have to wait and see. It sounds like the new element that they're introducing is the fact there would be a lifetime ban on claiming asylum for anyone who travels over here on a small boat. What, what do you make to that element of it? Well, obviously, at the moment, under the European Convention for Human Rights and the Convention for Refugees, that's not workable. You know, people have to have the right to arrive um, however they can at the moment. And the, the European Convention does recognise that. Uh, so, yeah, j just saying it isn't isn't going to make it work. There's a reason why we haven't managed to do any of these things yet is because they're not workable under the current international law. 
So I, I, I wait to see how they're going to circumvent those human rights laws. Um, we keep hearing that they say people need to come here via safe and legal routes. What options are those then? So we, we do have a few safe legal routes in this country, but they're very, very narrow. The resettlement programmes we have, such as the, the Syrian resettlement scheme, the Afghan resettlement scheme, um, as I say, the, the criteria for which are very narrow. Most people couldn't hope to be helped through these mechanisms. We need um, a more catch-all, safe legal route for people to arrive here. You know, we have people arriving here that have a right to be here and their claims are found and they're, they're successful and they stay. Um, but they're still being forced into small boats because they don't have a mechanism to come here safely and legally. So what we are seeing is people with a legitimate claim and then people who are trying to, say, sneak in the back door, as it were, coming over on small boats because there's no other way. So it's very difficult to us to tell between people who are genuine and people who aren't. If we gave people a safe legal route, genuine people, um, they would most definitely take that route because it's safer and legal. And then anybody not taking those safe legal routes, we could quite obviously say, OK, you don't have a legitimate claim and we're going to remove you. But at the moment, it's very difficult to do that. Obviously, Rishi Sunak did promise new safe legal routes. Um, we're yet to find out what those are going to look like or when they're going to be available. Obviously, we know how this divides opinion. And we saw on Saturday in Dover, were you in the town at all over the weekend when that protest took place? No, I was very intentionally not in the town um, on Saturday. It was a difficult decision. Obviously, I don't want to see people with those views marching through my town. I think the safety of our community is far more important. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. And the former Met Police officer from Kent in prison for murdering Sarah Everard has been sentenced to 19 months for three indecent exposures. Wayne Cousins carried out the offences before he abducted the 33-year-old in South London. The 50-year-old from Deal is serving a whole life term. Earlier, a court heard he exposed himself twice at a fast food drive through in Kent and also to a female cyclist when he was supposed to be on duty. A man's been knocked unconscious and his son injured following a row with another man over a dog in Broadstairs. The group clashed in North Forland Heights last June after a vehicle was driven near the Labradoodle which was running loose. Bradley Teal, who's 50 and from Bowes Avenue in Margate, has got to do 100 hours of unpaid work and pay compensation. This is one of our most read stories and police have upped patrols in part of Dartford following reports of a man exposing himself to a woman at not far from a school. It happened in Woodland in the Temple Hill area just before children were about to leave. He's been described as white of slim build and was wearing a woolly hat. Now, there's a warning for snow in parts of Kent over the next couple of days and that's led to real concerns about people who are sleeping rough. The Met Office say temperatures will struggle to get much above freezing and there's a chance some of the white stuff could fall in the north and west of the county overnight. Well, charities and support groups are preparing to get as many people off the streets and inside as they can. Chris Thomas is from Porchlight, a homelessness charity based in Canterbury, and he's been speaking to reporter Kate Faulkner. People who are sleeping on the streets, um, when the when the weather gets freezing, of course, they're, they're at real risk of getting hypothermia. You have to remember that, you know, when you're homeless, due to the nature of what you're going through, you probably have some underlying health conditions anyway. So, so when the weather gets bad, um, it really... Cold weather can be fatal for people. And what about those? I know that um, obviously if you're living on the street, you're exposed to the elements. What about those people who are sort of on the, you know, on the edge of becoming homeless? Do you know, if we're in a cost of living crisis, people can't afford to pay their bills to heat their homes or could the added expense of having to put your heating on just push people over the edge into, into losing their home? 
Yeah, so we're hearing from a lot of people who are who are struggling. That they're in a really bad situation. Um, a lot of people are calling us up because they, you know, they can't afford to pay their rent and heat their homes and put food on the table, and and people are sort of like you know having to skip meals. They're having to, uh, you know, as as we know, they're avoiding putting the heating on. Um, and when it gets really cold, you know. For some people, especially people with health conditions, um, maybe they they have to put the heating on, and that just pushes them ever closer towards you know sort of getting in more debt, um, losing their homes. It's 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 a really dangerous situation. And how does the response from porch light change during these extreme weather events? So when we have extreme weather like this, um, councils are obligated to provide emergency. Um, accommodation to people who are sleeping on the streets so what Porchlight does is, is we'll go out with the councils we we're out all year round anyway helping uh, people who are on the streets so we've developed those relationships with them we know where they are we work with the councils and other organizations to get people inside as quickly as possible if a member of the public say notices somebody sleeping rough on a street um, nearby to where they are, what would be the best approach? Is it is it to call a service such as yourself? Is it to call council? What could they do to help? They can tell us. Um, if they go to our website, um, porchlight.org.uk, um, they'll be able to get in contact with one of our advisors and, and tell them about the person they've seen. And from there, we can we can go out, we can take action, and we can help get that person in. Kent Online reports. Figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show just one in 20 cars stolen in Kent have been returned to their owners. There's been an increase in the number of vehicle thefts in the county since 2018, with Dartford, Medway and Sevenoaks the worst hit areas. 94% of cars that were taken last year have not been returned. You can see a breakdown of the figures for where you live at Kent Online. A cleaner who stole a tips jar from a bookie in Folkestone has told a court he did it so he could feed his family. Gary Beer thought he was being paid weekly for his new job but was instead going to have to wait until the end of the month for his salary. The 27-year-old from Leyburn Road in Dover admitted theft. He's been ordered to do unpaid work and pay compensation. People in a pub in Westmoreland have rushed to help after the roof of a nearby house caught fire over the weekend. The blaze started at the home in Teeson Road on Saturday night just down from the King's Arms. Regulars sprang into action before emergency crews arrived and one person suffered burns and the effects of breathing in smoke. You can see pictures of the devastated building today on the website. Now, a family from Tunbridge Wells has spoken of their heartbreak after their 10-month-old son was diagnosed with leukaemia. Scott and Katie Bridges thought little Teddy was battling a chest infection but are now facing six months in a London hospital as he undergoes chemotherapy. Katie says it's going to take some some time for them to find a new normal. She's been telling us all about little Teddy's diagnosis. Teddy started falling ill sort of as the winter weather set in. So he was a really well baby up until about seven months old. Um, and then he just started getting sort of back to back chest infections. Um, and it just felt like he was on antibiotics the whole time. Right. Uh, constantly in and out of the doctor's Um it got to the point where um, one chest infection got so bad that we kept taking him into A&E. Um, so we were in and out of A&E probably four or five times over the course of two weeks before right. he was actually admitted um, and put on oxygen. Um, and it turned out he had pneumonia. Right. Um, so that was a couple of weeks ago um, now. And 
whilst he was in being treated for pneumonia, they ran some blood tests um, and one of those blood tests came back and showed some um, dodgy looking cell counts, um, right. which which was where the concerns were then raised. So um, they were due to discharge us, but they hold, told us to sit tight, took more bloods and sent them up to um, Great Ormond Street Hospital for further testing. Um, and then the next day, which was Friday, mm. um, we found out that Teddy was was actually fighting leukemia so um, so that, that must have been a bit of a shock because that wouldn't be what you would expect to come back from blood tests absolutely not we um I think at first just finding out that he had pneumonia was you know quite difficult because mm. he's so little and it can be quite dangerous if it's not treated so mm. um to find out that he had that and you know it was quite traumatic anyway having to take him to hospital and having to give him oxygen to breathe yeah. um to then suddenly the next day it's it's suddenly it's just got bigger and bigger and, and here we are right and so then it sort of just um snowballs I guess does it it's just like coming in for tests and or have you not left have you had to stay as he as Teddy had to stay in there Yes, so we were in Pembury, and as soon as we received the official diagnosis in Pembury that it was leukaemia, um, they transferred us up to Great Ormond Street as soon as they had a bed. So we were at Pembury for one more night, and then Saturday they moved us up to Great Ormond Street, and this is where we'll be for the next six months or so um, whilst oh he has his gosh. treatment. That's such yeah. a long time, isn't it? It is. They would usually... Um, for the older children, they actually let them sort of go home in between or they have shared care with their local hospitals where they'll take on some of the treatments nearer to home. Yeah. But because Teddy's an infant, mm. um, that carries quite a lot of extra risk. So they like to keep them close by, basically. So, yeah, we'll be here for the foreseeable. Oh, my gosh. So your world has just gone so tiny now, literally just yeah. you and Teddy and Scott and in a room. Absolutely. Yep. It's um and also fast as well. As I say, as soon as they mm -hmm. found out, they whisked us straight here and he's already on day three of chemotherapy. So wow. uh, there's no hanging around. Yes, which is pro almost more scary, isn't it? That they're doing everything so quickly. Yes, it's been a very overwhelming few days, I have to say, yeah. to find out that news and have to process that whilst you know, the amount of information we're receiving day to day, the amount of different specialists and people that are coming into the room to chat to us every day, it's it's massive. And then you've got everybody at home sending their messages of support and love. And it, there's just people and things coming from all angles. And, you know, it's amazing because we're learning so much and the support from back home is what's keeping us going. But it's been extremely overwhelming. Well, Katie's sisters and Teddy's aunt Rosie have set up a GoFundMe page to help the family pay for accommodation and expenses while Teddy has his treatment. You can find out details on how to donate by going to the story today on Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Work to bring the Falker building in Folkestone back into use is due to start this week. The project will be partially paid for by the council's success levelling up fund bid of nearly £20 million. Ideas to bring new public service, retail, leisure and business facilities to the site are being explored with the hope of transforming the town centre. There's a new push for road safety to prevent deaths and injuries among young drivers on Kent's rural roads. The Think campaign is being launched today and targets male drivers aged between 17 and 24, urging them to slow down. Figures show 60% of young male drivers involved in serious and fatal collisions happen on roads. 
roads in the countryside. Now, a young girl from Northfleet is being tipped to be the next big opera superstar after mastering one of the most difficult pieces to sing. Eliza Raja Bellinia has had no formal training but can sing the Queen of the Night aria from the Magic Flute, would you believe, in German. The nine-year-old who goes to the Crayland School in Swanscombe discovered her passion for opera during a school trip. Let's hear a little bit of Eliza singing and she's also been chatting to our reporter Alex Langridge. Um, the song called um, De Holaraka um, it's a very good, powerful song. It's a very, very extraordinary opera and it's it's in German it's like absolutely beautiful it and it's about a mother and the mother is singing to a daughter and the daughter has been kidnapped and the mother is telling her daughter to kill the man that kidnapped her with a dagger and she she was very angry like really really rage and she just wanted to banish the man and she was saying that if you do not kill this man that I will disown you (laughs) and you will never be my daughter again and that is about the song yeah, and how did you, so you went on a school trip, didn't you? So do you want to tell us a little bit about the school trip and kind of what you saw and how it made you feel kind of afterwards? Yeah, so we went to the Royal Opera House and um, when we saw it, it just really touched everyone's hearts and we knew lots about it because we like looked at a booklet and we just understood the opera like absolutely amazing and the music really made me feel like it just made my heart warm beautiful amazing and then what did you do after so you went home and you started to sort of practice so how did you practice to sort of sound like that <laughs> so firstly i saw videos of the opera singers singing the song and I just heard the rhythm, I heard how they sang it, and then I got the lyrics and I tried to sing it. And when I went to school, like the next day, I sang it, and Wowza myself is very good. <laughs> and what's next for you then? Are you learning more? Kind of what you want to sing opera now? Sort of what's the end? I want to sing any song that my heart, to my heart content and it's, well, I just love singing opera, I love singing any other song that I want to and I'm going to continue learning songs 
until I retire. Eliza's teacher has sent that clip to the director of the Royal Opera House, who said it was inspiring. And finally, Myrie Cyrus has made it an incredible seven weeks at number one on the Kent Top 40 over on our sister radio station, KMFM, with her song Flowers. Lizzo's track Special is at number two. Niall Horan's Heaven is at three. Kent Online Sports. Football and it was a point for Gillingham on the road at the weekend. It finished nil-nil at Harrogate, which means they're now eight points clear of the League Two relegation zone. Manager Neil Harris spoke after the final whistle. First 15 minutes thought was fantastic. Should have been in front. Thought then Harrogate was slightly better playing down the slope than us for the rest of the first half. And, and I thought we just uh, turned possession over a little bit too cheaply for my liking. Um, and then second half we came out was a better team second half. Um, yes, Glenn's had to make a couple of saves on the counter-attack. But we got in really good positions, um, had some chances um, and put some really good balls in the box as well and, and just, just missed that cutting edge today. Um, but o- o- overall, um, third game in the week, clean sheet. Um, looking at the league table after today's results, it's another point game for us. So, um, yeah, d- delighted with the backing that we got from our supporters and our mega as usual. Um, and, uh, and for us, yeah, just just... We want a little bit more quality when we've got the ball at times, um, but really pleased with a uh, clean sheet. Both defences f- fairly solid. Would you say very difficult to break both teams down? Yeah, I think both 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 teams. Uh, obviously, two teams playing four four two and getting the ball forward. And um, I thought both sets of centre halves stood up pretty well. Um, you know, it was tough tough uh, for Max and Connor against their two centre forwards. A real handful. Um, and and. Holly and, and, and Nico, I wouldn't say we're at their absolute best today, but still a handful through 90 minutes and then it takes a moment for us to create something. Um, so, look, fair play to them as well. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that, I'm pleased getting back on the bus for a point, for sure. Uh, Tim Jane was back in the, the start in Evan. I think you were too sure whether he would, he would make it or, or, or not, but seemed to pick up where he left off. Yes, uh, Timmy, you know, seasoned pro, you know, experienced player. Um, uh, he's got real quality. He's added so much since coming in January. Um, just, just, just felt it was right to put him back in. As you say, the fans here, I think there were over 600 here. For many of them, it was the first time to Harrogate. It was your first time to yeah. Harrogate. So, getting on the bus, satisfied? To yeah. Get back with something? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's the important thing. The, 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 the important thing for us today was not to get beat. You know, not, not to let Harrogate close that gap on us. Um, um, yeah, to get a clean sheet is is you know is vital for us. We need more of them between now and the end of the season, um, um, and you know, just uh, I wanted three. Of course, of course, I wanted three. The, the, the fans come because they wanted they wanted them to see another Jules win, um, but that, it wasn't to be. And, and what we have to do now is quickly move on to Tuesday. And the Jules travel to promotion, chasing Stockport County tomorrow night. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning. That's via the briefing. And to sign up, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.